Okay. Hello and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where we talk about issues affecting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. You know, one of the neat aspects of what I do for a living is I meet a lot of different people and work for a lot of different organizations. Last week, I had the pleasure of being a speaker for the Family Farms Group. So what we're going to talk about today is the future of agriculture, particularly in the family farm. Now, there's a lot of different visions of the family farm. Uh, if you went to our suburban friends in, say, Schaumburg, Illinois, they have this idea that a family farm is a man in bib overalls and a lovely woman in her, in her, in her gingham uh, uh, dress uh, with two children, and they might still have an outhouse and chickens uh, and an old Model, uh, Model A sitting in the driveway and a, a tractor that has steel wheels. We know in the business of agriculture that's history, uh, and also it's a glowing sort of glorified picture of what somebody thinks is a simpler time, Ma and Pa Kettle, if you will. We know that that is absolutely not what this industry is. Family Farms Group out of Brighton, Illinois, hired me to come in and talk to all of their member teams. Uh, Jim Raftus is with the Family Farms Group. He's the person that brought me in, and I decided he'd be a great guest to talk about where things go in agriculture, particularly production agriculture. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the future of production agriculture. Who's going to do it? Are the big going to get bigger? We know that that's kind of happened throughout history anyhow, but what does it look like in the year 2030? Also, what tools, what uh, organizations will the future ag producer belong to? What information are they going to need? What, uh, what's going to be in their toolbox to take them to the next level? So I welcome my guest, Jim Raftus with the Family Farms Group. Mr. Raftus, thank you for being on. Damon, thanks for the invitation. Your organization, Family Farms Group out of Brighton, Illinois, tell me what Family Farms Group does. We're a consulting company, as you said, uh, in Brighton, Illinois. We're just about 40 miles north of, uh, of St. Louis, Missouri. Group of producers, 10 years ago or so, decided that, um, you know, they were pretty good producers. They were pretty organized on farm. But, you know, business-wise, they could get better. So they brought together a, a group of individuals, brought together a host of resources that made their business actually better and implemented that with a, with a coach, uh, an individual that, uh, that drove them to achieve and to, uh, uh, you know, reach out and, and grab a hold of those goals and then the objectives. And, and Damon, you mentioned earlier what, what agriculture may look like in 2030. That's one of the exercises they do when we, when we bring in, a, bring in a prospective farm. We look at what their operation could potentially be in the year 2030. So most people will say uh, you'll get four, you know, you'll get 40 different uh, crops. That's what the average farmer get, produces in his, in his lifetime. We figured out that over the course of 40 years, that average of those members that come into family farms, their operations grown four times. So four times what their original size was. So, you know, that 4,000 acre guy, you know, by 2030, he potentially will be about 16,000 acres is what we, is what we think. But is his business going to be able to follow that, you know, that, that same growth pattern? I mean, is he going to have an HR game? Is he going to have uh, uh, insurance and structure? And, and what's the legacy? What's his children's part in that game? What's that going to look like? So that's, that's part of the package that we build at, at, at Family Farms Group. 
who you serve is important. So I've got people listening to this podcast. They might be the chemical sales rep. They might be the machinery dealership. They might also be an accountant to this industry. They might have headhunters that uh, help place ag professionals. But we all know it goes back to the farm. There's no need for the there's no need for the herbicide. There's no need for the John Deere. There's no need for any of this. It doesn't start with the soil, the the water, the seed, the crop. You know, and it all goes back to farming. Tell me about who you serve. We've got producers, Damien, from, you know, from the East Coast to the West Coast. I believe it's, you know, it's 2,000 miles from uh, the Chesapeake Bay down to Yuma, Arizona, where we've got uh, one of our producers that, that, that raises romaine lettuce and, and iceberg lettuce and broccoli. And uh, then you, you would travel north into uh, Alberta. We've got all of our Canada guys are small grains guys, big canola producers. Uh, but we're really heavy through the through the Midwest, through the Corn Belt. That's kind of where our bread and butter is. Um, Family Farms was conceived, you know, in uh, in the Corn Belt. We were conceived on on corn and soybeans. Uh, we've got a lot of cattle producers. We've got uh, a lot of hogs in our organization. But uh, uh, a pretty baseline, uh, diversified piece of of agriculture makes up our membership. Um, again, more, most row crop folks, but, uh, we do have, uh, we've got folks in the Dakotas and, and, in and in Canada that, uh, that we serve that are, are small grain producers. Certainly. You've got a lettuce producer in Yuma, Arizona. You've got somebody in Alberta where they couldn't grow lettuce, even if they had, uh, if they had uh, a greenhouse hardly because I work up there and then everybody in between tobacco. Yeah, we have tobacco producers on the East coast. We've got, uh, um, we've got some orange producers in, uh, in Georgia and Florida. We've got, uh, nut producers, peanut guys, uh, big, uh, big cotton folks through the, uh, through the South and through the mid South. So pretty diversified. I mean, we've got a lot of different, uh, a lot of different folks producing a lot of different things. I even remember talking to one of the people there at your uh, meeting that was a, a cotton person in Oklahoma and Texas, if I'm not mistaken, where we grow a lot of cotton. Mm-hmm. So Beyond agronomics, because there's somebody listening right now saying, okay, coaching, I've heard about maybe I have an outside consultant that does my my agronomic consultation and make sure that I'm putting everything, my nutrients and, and my energy and resources where they need to be. Are you guys into agronomic consulting? We are. We do. We have a, uh, we have a protection technology uh, uh, division at Family Farms over on the, uh, the east side of our building here in Brighton. Uh, we've got uh, some seasoned professionals. We've got some young folks that do some on-farm things. We have uh, uh, we have soil sampling. We do a lot of the analyzation right here in Brighton, and the and the beauty of this game is, you know, you you, you hit again, Damien, on the on the coaching piece. We've got folks here that 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 press and push and 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 drive the achievement of goals and objectives, and that's really what uh, that's really a big part of our game is is the implementation of all these things that are going to make your your business and your farm better. One of the things I wanted to make sure, because we call this the Business of Agriculture podcast, and I talk all the time from the stage, on my social media, everywhere that I go, that this is, after all, a business. And the glowing vision that some might have that are in the suburban America, uh, that it's it's wholesome. Oh, I went to a farmer's market and I bought these tomatoes and, you know, Gladys raised them. And that's neat, but it's also struggles to be a business. I mean, you can't run a business on selling uh, $77 worth of tomatoes every Saturday at the farmer's market, or you're obviously going to starve. You're all about business. The business coach, the coaching that you provide, because I think the one thing we do great in agriculture is we produce. Man, oh man, do we produce. We, we know this. We hear it a lot. We went from uh, the average farm 
Ur producing enough food for 40 people 60, 50 years ago, and it's up to 160 people today. We know the hell out of production, but there's the business side of it. When you've got millions and millions of dollars of capital at risk and, and the machinery costs as much as it does, there is a need for the business side of it. Is that what we think Family Farms Group is really its, its strong suit? I think so, and and I think our producers would would agree with that uh, that analysis. You know, we look at we look at about sixty five different things in that that goes into a financial historic performance analysis, and we uh, our our member groups uh, do an HPA an historic performance analysis uh, on their finances every single year. We do budgets. We have coaches that actually working with those particular producers uh, in all aspects of that budget, in the, in the, in the monitoring, in the, in the pluses, the minuses, what to do, what to purchase, what not to purchase, uh, suggestions. And, and we feel like this, this organization works best for our producers when we're number one on the speed dial. Yeah, you're, you're, the, you're the go-to consultant. Yeah, we're the go-to guys. Uh, this relationship's going to work pretty well. So pain points. Uh, where, where right now are the pain points? I mean, you, you're saying, okay, from the business angle, you just said purchases, not to purchases. That's a big thing because it's one thing for my little hobby operation. You know, I rent out, my listeners know, I rent out my land that I own and I keep a, a finger on it, but I make a little bit of hay and I have a, a you know, a handful of steers. It's one thing for me to screw up on uh, buying a batch of feed I didn't need or uh, two jugs of Roundup. You're talking about millions of dollars that could go awry. So a big part of it is managing purchases and acquisitions. Purchase and acquisitions are, are a big thing and maintaining that, you know, uh, that equity line and maintaining a, a stable line of, of working capital. That's, that's some of the things or a couple of the things that we really look at is, is what that working capital looks like year in and year out and the things that you do that impacts that working line of, uh, of capital. And, you know, a, a classic example, do you need to spend $200,000 on a piece of equipment when you could rent the same piece of equipment for 200 hours annually and not, not impact that line of credit or your working line of capital that much? Little things like that. I mean, little things like that that we bring out, that we point out uh, that, you know, that impact the bottom line of the, of the producer. Yeah, I, I make jokes about uh, farmer money that uh, farmers love to, to tell everybody they don't make any money. And I swear that sometimes they're almost happier when they don't. So then they can go to the coffee shop and complain about it. But the reality is we also know, uh, for instance, my, my farmer brother bought a, a you know piece of equipment in December once because he said he didn't want to pay taxes. That's one that we know happens a lot. Farmers hate the idea of paying taxes. But there's also sometimes when, as you pointed out, it's not the smart move and an outside coach says, I know you don't want to pay taxes, but right now if you acquire that piece of equipment, you're sitting on something that, just just gobbled up your working capital and there it sits. Exactly. Um, you know, and then there's a legacy piece that goes with this too, Damien. I mean, we've got, uh, you saw it in our audience the other day that a, a lot of our producers have got children and they've all got thoughts of, of wanting those kids to come back and, and, and be a part of that farming operation, be a part of the, that farm legacy. And that's something that we look at as well. I mean, when we get out into 2025 and 2030, looking at what the future of that organization may be, we take into, we take into consideration those, chid, those kids and the, and, and the folks that want to come back and be a part of that farming operation and what size and scope is really going to mean to 
providing a, a, a lasting legacy for maybe even a couple more generations. So, um, yeah, working line of capital doesn't necessarily uh, impact uh, impact equipment alone. It impacts futures. So we, we look at that. One of the things I thought was neat, uh, I always do a sit down with the people who hire me and I make sure I understand why they're hiring me, what the what they want my speech to look like, what they want the audience to feel like when I'm done. And also, I want to make sure that I'm speaking intelligently about them and their organization as it pertains to the big picture of the business of agriculture. So I talked to Alan, your CEO, who's now a founder of the company. And I said, tell me the goal, the reason that you started Family Farms. And you can say this, I'm sure, right now. He would tell you, and I would tell you the same thing is to keep is to keep families on the farm. Um, there's a there, again the the legacy piece. Um, you know, we protect the independence, I guess, uh, of farming. You know, we may get hit a little bit on, you know, we're growing acres to make big to make agriculture bigger. Uh, yeah, we've heard that a little bit. You know, we've made we might be making agriculture a little bit bigger to pay for what the future brings. Um, Again, we go back to the families. Uh, Alan would say, you know, I get up every morning and, and I've got two or three things that I can focus on. And one is, is keeping such and such family from somewhere in Virginia, keeping their operation viable, keeping them in the game and keeping them on the farm. Pretty simple stuff. Yeah, the idea is is the marketplace continues to change, the business of ag continues to change. Your role is making sure that it does it require them getting bigger, possibly, probably, but also the idea is you're going to need some outside influence and coaching because the complexity of this is greater as as we are today. What's change in ag? You know, you've got these team. By the way, how many team members? You call them team members. You've got family farms that join family farms group and you look at yourself as a service provider to them. And I thought it was interesting. You said that your structure is like the NFL. You are the company, but you are, or maybe the franchise. I'm not sure what you'd say. You're the, you're the, you're the holding the information, the marketing, the go-to, but they operate as their own teams. Yeah. They're, they're completely independent. I mean, when the, um, and that's the beauty of family farms and, you know, it's kind of the beauty of working with, with, with farmers. I mean, growing up, doing it myself, uh, you know, being a part of a farm family, I appreciate the independence that, uh, that uh, uh, the farmer, the producer of, uh, of North America has. I mean, that's one of the reasons that they do it. And yeah, they're completely independent of us. I mean, again, for this organization to really be beneficial to our members, our team members, if you will, um, we've got to be number one on the, on the speed dial. We have got to be in constant communication and, and, and the more we know and, and the, the, the more that we talk about and learn and involve ourselves in those operations, uh, uh, the better, uh, the better we are. So, and it, that, that, that takes on the family piece too. I mean, we've got, yeah, we've got 89 farms across North America that, that make up family farms, but you know, we know the kids and the grandkids and we know the employees names and we're familiar with the organizational structure and we've, we've built those and the, and the FSA structure and, and the things that, that protect that business and grow that business we're, we're intimately involved with. So we take the word family pretty strongly around here and yeah, it is kind of built around the NFL, around that model. I mean, I guess this would be Roger Goodell's office here in Brighton, Illinois, and uh, you know, and they're farming in uh, they're farming in Manitoba, and they're farming in uh, in uh, Texas, and they're farming elsewhere. Those are the those are the member teams. So that's kind of the thought. 
And you're Roger Goodell's team, but you're not making $40 million with a private jet like Roger Goodell. We should point that out to our listeners right now. <laughs> you are. Yeah, you're we don't, yeah. Roger's got it pretty good. Uh, yeah. so they got, when they figured out the NFL model, they, uh, they hit a lick. Yeah, they did something right. You and I are out here trying to figure out how to work in agriculture, and Goodell has a private jet, life insurance, or health insurance for the rest of his life, and $40 million a year. Okay, Family Farms Group serves 9089 farm farmers, farm organizations. And to the non-ag person listening right now, they say, it's just factory farming. I should point out, as we all know, once your business hits a certain scale, you are incorporated. You are LLC. You are an SC Corp. Whatever that thing is, those are holding structures. But again, it doesn't remove the family part of it. You work with these families that have these you know, fairly large agricultural enterprises. Where do they need the help the most? I mean, you talked about human resources and marketing and agronomic. What, what do you see it? Well, the first one certainly is the is the financial area. I mean, everybody wants to have a a, a good financial structure, and we start from a, a very baseline. We call it a, a footing level of development. We move them into a foundational level of financial development, and then the other things come about. Uh, Damien, HR is a really big game, and people don't think about that now. But you know, you've got you've got OSHA out there, you've got the Department of Human Rights out there, you've got a lot of different governments entities that are always looking at, at, at people and how people are treated and, and the number of hours that people are work. So we have figured out that, that, that our teams depend on our human resources uh, departments quite a bit as well. The recruiting is a big thing. You know, a lot of our uh, operations will have 10 or 15 employees. Some have, have more, but you know, to get a qualified quality employee that is going to be a part of your farming operation and a part of that operation's future takes a little effort. And we do that for our folks. Uh, we, you know, we pre-screen and, and we look at resumes and um, we maintain a pretty healthy database of, uh, of workers for our, for our organization. So that's a big part of the game. The finances are a big part of the game, but really it's, it, it comes back to execution. If uh, these guys are not really ready to execute they're probably not for us at Family Farms, and and we've had a little of that. I mean, we've had some some folks that have come into uh, our organization. It's not worked out for a number of reasons, but um, you got to really be ready to execute. And we've got coaches here, and we've got resources here, fourteen different resources to to help farming operations get better. But uh, you're going to get pushed a little bit. You're going to. I mean, we're we're going to work with you. Um, Lou Holtz, the old football coach at Notre Dame, said one time, you know, the art of coaching is putting, putting your hand on somebody's back and either putting it up high or down low. (laughs) Makes a little sense. Right. So, uh, you obviously offer a lot of these, I'm talking to Jim Raftus with family farms group out of Brighton, Illinois, past client of mine that brought me in to be the speaker for all of their organization and all the people that are members of this. Give me a couple of good stories, Jim Raftus. You're a farm boy from Illinois. You're, you're a sharp guy. You've been in agriculture. Uh, a couple of good stories. What, what do you look out there and you see people you've really taken and helped to the next level? And, and you just said it, you admitted it. There's a couple of member teams, farm families that joined your organization and didn't work out. It wasn't the right fit. It wasn't what they wanted or it wasn't what uh, they didn't want to take the guidance, the coaching, but you also have good stories too. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, if we get back to the NFL, you know, back in 19, I think when the NFL really came about, you know, late thirties, early forties, not many people know there were 52 teams in the NFL originally. I mean, Canton, Ohio had one. Decatur, Illinois had a team. I mean, 
And these teams were bought and sold for about $100 a piece. And they kindly quickly figured out that it just wasn't for everybody. Not everybody was going to not everybody was going to evolve and their, their business was not going to get better. So yeah, we've had a few that, that have not evolved, but you know, one thing that I, that I always talk about, I grew up about 15 miles North of this building um, on a family farm, 1980, I was getting ready to go to college and I saw the implement trucks day in, day out, picking up the neighbor's equipment. You know, the auctioneers were getting rich. The bankers were, you know, were, were land crazy and, and hungry. And I saw all that. But we were a family operation with, I had three brothers, all involved in agriculture. I wanted to go to college, come back and be a part of the game. We had 1,500 acres, no debt, a perfect opportunity for us to, to evolve and, and get bigger and uh, create a legacy. And it never happened. It never happened because we, we didn't have the communication. We could never figure out how to crack the, crack the noggin of my dad to get into the game. We just just didn't get it done. So we see that 30 years later. When I came to Family Farms, I see the exact same thing going on with a lot of farmers out there, a lot of organizations out there that just cannot crack the code of how to sustain a legacy. And if we do anything, we figure out the code for our particular guys. I mean, if we do anything in this game, if you come into Family Farms and you be a part of this operation, your finances might not go right. Well, there, there, there's some outside reasons with to that, you know, commodity prices and you guys are, you know, at stake at, at a lot of different venues here. But I tell you what, the legacy thing is something that we capture and we do pretty damn good. Um, that's something that, that we pride ourselves in. That's something that our coaches and our staff and our resource folks, they pride themselves in. So the legacy thing is, is a pretty good piece. And we've had We've had foreign ownership in, in farms in, in North Dakota that we have brokered a relationship and, and created, a, created a legacy for a couple more generations. We've got the same thing going on in Texas. We've got, we've got it going on all over North America. And that's, that's really the cool thing about what we do and, and, and how we interact with the farms is, is what it's going to look like in 2030, what it's going to look like you know, in the ag world down the road for, for the kids, you know, that are showing pigs right now. What it's going to look like. You did an excellent job of the historic perspective of talking about the eighties, which we do sometimes nag. And there's, there's folks right now listening to this. They're 32 years old and they are smart. They're agricultural professionals. And they're saying, why is everybody talking about the eighties? You and I know why, because of our age and the, and what we saw. And you brought it right back to legacy and you, you know, you used a historic example that you just couldn't crack the code. There was an opportunity, 1,500 acres, no debt. Maybe we were poised to, to finally, you know, grow this operation, bring a couple of my sons back into it. But the business savvy, or maybe we should say vision, was lacking. And that's where you come in as Family Farms Group. Again, you listen to the business of agriculture. And we got Family Farms Group, Jim Raftis from Brighton, Illinois, on here with me. Mr. Raftis, is this the future of ag? I think this is a is going to be a large part of of the future of ag. Um, you know, if if consolidation, if it happened in 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 pork and in poultry and you know in the beef feedlots, who's to say that it cannot happen in row crop production? I mean, we're starting to we're starting to see that the big guys are getting bigger. I mean, everybody that's probably listening right now, Damien, everybody that's going to DTN next week or wherever in the hell they're off to, they're, they're thinking the same thing. They always know who the big guy is. They always compare themselves to the, to the, to the big guy. And it's, yeah, it's out there. And I think, um, 
commodity prices are going to dictate. Uh, you're going to have to produce more to, to gain more. Can't forget about the efficiency part of this, uh, you know, this equation. You know, you got you to be a little smarter. Uh, you got to operate a little better. You got to price better. You got to buy better. Um, there's, there's parts of that game that we do here in Brighton that, uh, uh, that can help that. But, I, you know, agriculture is going to get bigger. It's just I think it's inevitable. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I brought this up. I say it in my speeches sometimes. Folks don't like to hear it, but I made that very point that you did. I said, we know that poultry production has become this integrated thing and people produce on a contract. Pork, people produce on a contract, uh, especially crops done on a contract. I'm going to be in New Brunswick with potato people. Much of the potato is production is done on a contract. I said, is this going to happen to corn and soybeans where you essentially just are out here growing this on a contractual level and you at Family Farm Group don't want to see that happen? No, we don't want that to happen at all. And I think there's probably some uh, some corporations in nearby St. Louis, Missouri, that would uh, would certainly froth at the opportunity to go into a to a mass production mode where they're actually contracting to the to the farmer to produce what they need. I think that's yeah. I think they have those thoughts. Uh, they might not want to hear that, but uh, yeah, that's my own personal opinion, and I think it's probably out there. What else do you see, Jim Raftus, in the next 10 years? One, one other thing you see happening in the next 15 years. What do you see besides this being more of a model? What else do you see? Farmers need to engage. They need to engage politically. They need to engage legislatively. They, they're so good at so many things. And when it comes down to that arena, we're not very good at that. You know, it's farmers tend to be, tend to be reactive. In the legislative world, in the political world, and I, I dabbled in that at one time, I don't know as if there's a lot of proactive associations, if the farmers themselves are proactive when it comes to, to engaging a legislator, but there's a lot of regulation out there. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of interest from the left. There's a lot of interest from the environmentalists that uh, they're going to impact how we do things and how we're going to conduct business on and off the farm and in the world of agriculture. So I think that's something that, that we've got to move to. We've got to, uh, we got to get a little better at. Uh, we've got to inspire and motivate our, our constituency. We've got to move down that legislative road and, and, and start being a proactive group instead of a reactive group. That's good information. Jim Raftus, Family Farms Group, advice, thoughts, one other thought for the business of ag, anything that anybody in the business of ag could benefit from. You got anything? Sound financials and, uh, and, and sound efficiencies, really looking at your, looking at every aspect of your business. And that's, this is one thing that we do. Uh, we peel them apart one layer at a time and look at every aspect of, of, of the business financially, production wise, efficiency wise, and, and see where the gains are at. Identify, don't be afraid to look at your operation and identify the deficiencies. Point out the things that you're bad at and fix them. Give yourself a timeline as to when that needs to be done, but point it out, be truthful to yourself, and then fix it. Pretty simple stuff. It is pretty simple stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's separating the family from the farm as a business. Uh, I had Jolene Brown on here a couple episodes ago. We talked at great length about that. Oh, I want to make sure that my son and daughter come back here. And I, you know, I told them, I told them we were going to do this. And there's, there's the conversation, but not the contract. There's the familial involvement, but not the business. And that's obviously where you guys are pushing this. It's a business. Any other thoughts? 
right along those same lines, Damon. We've seen that uh, uh, several times. We, we see, actually, we see that quite a bit. The fact of the matter is, if you got a son or you got a daughter coming back, to affix roles and responsibilities for that person within that organization is a is an absolute crucial thing to do. It's it's something that that works well with your existing organizational chart. It works well in the personal development of your son or your daughter or that person that's you've involved in that that farm. Have a set job description. Have roles and responsibilities and accountability affixed to that individual when they come back to that farm. It'll go a long way in in the, you know into the future success of that operation. It goes right back to your big point that the founder of Family Farms Group came up with, preserving legacy. Uh, the idea that you didn't want to see these people just become contractual employees for uh, another uh, big company. And by setting the roles and the expectations and running it like a business, you then also guarantee a legacy. I see all the time, there, there, is no, there is no farm lifestyle if there's not the first the farm business. Yeah, if there's not a farm, you're exactly correct. Yeah, couldn't say it better. Absolutely. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jim Raftus, Family Farms Group out of Brighton, Illinois. Sharp guy, good company. They hired me. They brought me in for their 90 people. I understand some of you might even say, hey, Damien, wait a minute. I'm not sure this applies to me. But the lessons apply to you. You maybe do not need what this company does, but the lessons apply because this is, after all, a business, and that's why we call this the business of agriculture. Take the lessons. First off, if you need coaching outside influence to make you stronger, seek it out. You're probably amazing at production. You're probably really, really good at cow health, at herd health, at agronomics, at understanding how to get the most bushels of wheat out of that acre. That doesn't mean you're good at everything. Few of us are. The best thing I always tell people when I started as a political comedian, a guy pulled me aside, took me to lunch and said, hey, you got talent. You know, you understand something. You're probably a really good performer or a really good writer. Almost nobody can be both. And I think about that when I look at everybody in business and in the business of agriculture. You're probably really good at a couple of things, but you're not over here. And that's where an entity like Family Farms Group comes in. You hit on it in a, in a couple points, and I, and I think really one of the big one is, Damien, we haven't talked about it yet this morning, but communication. You know, farmers tend to be not the best communicators, <laughs> not the best communicators, and that's internal and that's external. Um, to, to, and, and I pound on our guys around here. I mean, we talk to the board about this. We talk to our member teams about it. You know what, guys? A little straight talk never hurt anybody. You know, to identify some deficiencies and actually talk about them, talk about the family and, and what that role and responsibility of, a, of the new member coming back is, communicate. Holy camola, you do a pretty good job of it. Uh, heck, you make a living at it. I make a living at communicating, and I came from a long line of bad communicators. My mother and father were hard worker, blue collar mentality people there on the dairy farm. My brother, the farmer, was a good milk producer, and he knew herd and cow stuff. But I can't say that they were great communicators about the business. So I learned from their own deficiencies. All right, communication, protecting the legacy. Seek out coaching and guidance on your weaknesses. It's not, it does not mean you're weak to admit you have weaknesses. In fact, it means you're strong and you probably will thrive because of it. Jim Raptors with Family Farms Group. If they want to learn more about Family Farms Group, how do they do that? We've got a website. You know, it's www.familyfarmsgroup, all one word, dot com. Um, you can reach us at 618-372-4001. And that'll actually get you right to the executive offices of Family Farms. So 
one of us uh, in a line of three or four of us will we'll visit with you. Be happy to do it. Uh, get on our website. I mean, there's a, there's a couple interactive things that you can do there. You can take a, a needs assessment to help identify some of those things that you might be uh, deficient in in your farming operation. It might lead you to some questions that uh, uh, that you could benefit from. So jump on and, and have a look. Fantastic. Thanks for being my guest. And if you're a listener, please take the lessons. I've got my notes written down here. He said 65 different categories. Think about that. There's 65 different categories that your operation probably needs to pay attention to. And it would be good for you to jot down, okay, what are your categories? And then again, look at the ones and put an S next to the ones you're strong at and the W next to the ones you're weak at. Don't be afraid to seek out some consultation coaching, whether it's Family Farms Group or anybody else. Legacy, that's what we're all in this for. We love it because after all, agriculture, most of us that are in it came from it. We love it. We talk about it, but there's no lifestyle and legacy if there's not the business. You've been listening to the business of agriculture. I'm your host, Damian Mason. Join me next time. Thank you, Mr. Raftus. Thank you, Damien. I appreciate the time. Till next time.